Wonderful. Well, it is so great to be with you today, those joining online in Leicester and my family down in Cambridge and here in the room as well. And um, I wonder, as you watch that intro video, what comes to mind when you think about living your best life? What rises up in your imagination? I saw a postcard in a shop earlier this week, which I found quite amusing. I think a picture will come up behind me. I wonder whether, for you, this is living your best life. Now, sometimes I think the life of a dog would be pretty fun, you know, just eat, sleep, play, and I do like my lions on a Saturday morning, but contrary to popular paper chase wisdom, I actually think there is a better way to live your best life. You know, as I have gone through life and grown and learned things, I become increasingly convinced that the way to live our best life is found through the words contained in the Bible and into a relationship with Jesus as we journey with him and adventure with him and learn from him and learn to not see life through a sleeping aid, fast asleep, but actually live wide awake to the way that he would have us live. And over the past couple of months, you know, we've gone on on quite an adventure, quite a journey together as we've tracked through this Sermon on the Mount. We've looked, first of all, at how we can live distinctively, how we can actually make a difference in the world around us, live with purpose, go with the grain of what God has designed for us and against the flow of maybe some of popular culture, how we can stand up and be counted. We've looked at how we can live securely as well, rooted and grounded in the love of our Father, connecting with him, intimate relationship through prayer, through worship, through fasting, through giving, how we can live free and peaceful in our finances. And today, we kind of come to the third part of the trilogy, as it were. So if you're joining today, you've come at a good time. We're going to turn the corner into chapter 7. And we're going to look at how we can live wisely. How we can live wisely. How we can make good choices and decisions in the world around us. You know, Jesus was the wisest person who has ever walked this planet. Nicky Gumbel, also a wise man himself of alpha fame, he said these words. He said, 2,000 years later... More and more people around the world are affected by the words of Jesus. The teaching of Jesus is widely acknowledged to be the greatest teaching of all time. We've advanced so much in science and technology, yet in the last 2,000 years, no one has ever improved on the moral teaching of Jesus. They are the greatest words ever spoken. They are the kind of words that you would expect God to speak. You know, God is here with us today, here in our homes, here in Cambridge, speaking to us. If we would have the ears to listen and lean into what he has to say, because he is wisdom personified. You know, even if you're tuning in today and you may not believe that he was the son of God and you may not have put your trust in him, then you can come to a point of saying the way he lived his life and the teaching that he gave is something that I want to live by. And he starts off in chapter 7 with these words. He says, do not judge. The first words of wisdom coming into chapter 7, do not judge. Now, um, there are a few things in life that annoy me. Uh, This might surprise you to hear because I'm a pastor, so I should be perfect. (laughs) One thing in life that annoys me are hand dryers that don't work. I Just get rid of it. Waste of time, waste of energy. The second thing is the price of Freddo's. I don't know if anyone else is with me on that. It used to be 10p for a good size Freddo, now 25, and it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller all the time. Just gets to me. <laughs> Another thing that annoys me is when people judge me. When people judge me. I had a situation recently where I was outside uh, my flat, and I was turning around in the road doing a three-point 
five-point, seven-point turn. And as I was doing it, I looked to the side, and I saw this cyclist trying to get past, and I could see in her eyes, she was judging me. She was like, you, you, you don't know what you're doing. And I just felt it like rising up in me. And it made me want to just take a bit of paper, just go, okay, okay, that's how you're going to be. Do not judge. I'm writing it on, taking my hands off the steering wheel and going, here you go, have that. And I think some of you may have felt that way as well because it's hard, isn't it, when people judge us, when people look at us and cast their judgments based on something we're doing or something we've said or the way we look or who we are. We want to carry one of these around in our back pocket and just be like, oh, by the way, did you know Jesus said, do not judge, do not judge. But you know, the reality of this passage is Yes, it's so frustrating when people judge us, and God wants us to live a life of freedom from condemnation for others, but he's not speaking to other people, he's speaking to you, and he's speaking to me, and he would actually say, just turn it around (laughs) and take a good look at these three words today. And when I do this, the first thing that rises up in me is, I look at it and I go, okay, Jesus, do not judge. I don't judge. That person on the bike, they judge, but I don't judge. But over the last couple of weeks, I've realized I'm actually a bit of a professional at this. I'm a bit of a professional judge that I never realized. I do it ever. I do it in Sainsbury's. I'm standing in the queue, and I looked at the person in front of me, and they've got all of the cans, and they've got the chocolate, and they've got the Coke, and they've got the beer, and I'm like, oh, having a party. (laughs) And you do it too, don't you? You turn to your left, and someone's got the kale and the salad and the vegetables. You're like, on a diet? (laughs) People cannot win in this situation. Driving as well, when you're on the motorway, you know, you're going the right speed. Anyone going faster than you? Maniac. Slower. (laughs) Slow coach. Like, we do it. It just rises up in us. One of the ones I spotted is when I'm in the coffee queue. That's the worst one. Person in front of you, can I have a decaf, double shot, grande, skinny, soy milk, caramel latte? And on the surface, I look calm and ready, and I'm just... But inside, I'm like, who are you? (laughs) Like... What are you doing? Just get a flat white like a normal person. (laughs) And I do it multiple, multiple, multiple times a day in these situations. But also I know I've started catching myself making decisions about people based on their age or their demographic or their ethnicity or how they sound when they speak or what language they speak. I've realized as I've gone on this journey with Jesus that actually there's more (laughs) There's the surface level stuff that I want to get rid of completely, but there's also that deeper level nonsense that's going on in my life. So when I come to this passage and Jesus says, do not judge, and I go, I don't, I actually realize that I do. And when I do, you know, I want to live this life of purpose and love and peace and making a difference in the world around me. And when I judge, it's almost like these little holes come in my soul and all of that leaks out and you get left with comparison and jealousy, and bitterness, and discrimination. And I believe that Jesus today would actually go, come on, let's patch up these holes. Let's get rid of this judgment together as a church family and friends tuning in. Let's really live the lives that God has for us. Are you up for that? Come on, come on. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna look at this passage and we're gonna look at how, the phrase I'm gonna use is how we can snap out of it. Why don't you say it with me? Snap out of it. Good job. Because when I make a decision about someone, it's usually a snap decision in a moment, but it's rooted somewhere deeper. But I believe as we will, in the moment, but also in our reflective time, snap out of it, we're going to stop, we're going to notice and practice that actually God would lead us deeper into the life of fullness he has for us. So snap out of it. Number one, let's stop playing God. 
Stop Playing God. I wonder if any of you had any films when you were a teenager that, that you just remember. Whenever you watch them again, all of the words come back, all of the pictures come back. For me, one of these is Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty, yeah, we've got some other 30-ish-year-olds in the room. And, and in Bruce Almighty, Bruce, who's played by Jim Carrey, is, uh, he's having a bit of a rough time, and he starts complaining to God about the way that God is running the world. So God, in the form of Morgan Freeman, uh, this is a film, remember, draws close to him and says, why don't you give it a go? Okay, Bruce, you're so mad at me. Why don't you have a go at playing God? How many of you would like a little opportunity at doing that? <laughs> at getting to make the decisions and be the one who has the ultimate say? You know, the wonderful thing is, those of us who are Christians today, there is an element of godness that we get to exhibit in the world around us. God has given us a measure of his power and authority. We're daughters and sons of God made in his image, the body of Christ. We're called to pray and bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We get to do some of that. But there are some things that are solely for God alone. And as Bruce finds out, judging is one of them. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said these words, there is only one lawgiver and judge. There's only one. And when we start judging, we cross the line from being God worshippers and God followers to God usurpers. We start doing something that we were actually never designed to do. Do not judge. Now, what's Jesus not saying here? He's not saying that for those of you who are professional judges in the law courts, you need to go and change your profession and do something else. A couple of you will be relieved to hear that. He's also not saying, don't, don't just kind of step away from any decision that comes in front of you and never make a decision and say, everything's fine, that's fine. No, Jesus calls us to make decisions. In fact, there's a great quote I found from D.A. Carson, a biblical scholar. He says, it certainly does not command the sons and daughters of God, the disciples of Jesus, to be amorphous, undiscerning blobs. None of that today. <laughs> Who never under any circumstances whatsoever hold any opinions about right and wrong. No, God's given us that ability to have opinions. He also doesn't mean don't help your fellow Christians in their walk with God. As we're going to find out in a second, Paul talks about this in Corinthians. Jesus models this. He's not saying that. What is he saying? He's saying stop playing God. Stop being the person who makes the decisions about what's going on in someone's heart based on what you see because you don't know that and you are not qualified for that. We're just not qualified to make those decisions about people, about their future destiny, about what's really going on because we're not perfect. Or maybe we are. Anyone here perfect? Give me a wave. Put your hands down in Cambridge. <laughs> We're not, are we? But God is. But God is. In the Bible, we see these wonderful words. In Deuteronomy, it says, He is the rock. He is the rock. His works are perfect. And all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. He knows what's right and what's wrong. We don't get to decide that. That's what happened, the Bible narrates in Genesis. With Adam and Eve. They wanted to know what was right and what was wrong. They wanted to make those decisions. But when they did, they fell away from God. And so when we come back into this passage and we see Jesus say, do not judge, he follows up and says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to use. When we judge, we fall out of that place of relationship with God. We try and be him. And in doing so, we fall away from him. And God is saying, actually, just leave that to me. <laughs> leave that judgment to me. Offer it up to me. And instead, just receive my grace for you. In your imperfections, now, I think maybe the only thing perfect about any of us are our perfect imperfections. In that place of having messed up and having sinned, don't turn that onto someone else. 
but just receive my grace in your life. So that's number one, stop playing God. Number two, notice your plank. Notice your plank, picking up at verse three. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. One of the things I love about Jesus is he has a sense of humor. (laughs) If we track through the gospel narrative, some of the things he did, like playing surprise on a couple of his friends, the day after he was resurrected, he was like, oh, what's going on? And then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm Jesus. You didn't know. He's funny. And this passage here, Jesus is trying to be funny to make a point to us. It's actually a really ridiculous scene that I thought I'd play out for you. So what I'm going to need is a willing volunteer. Daniel, you look like a willing volunteer, don't you? Thank you, Daniel. (laughs) He has no idea what's coming. Let's welcome Daniel up from home, from Cambridge and Leicester. So, play, yeah, he's got no idea. Just play along with me. Yeah, you can stand there. What Jesus is saying, he's like, okay, so you notice something in this person's eye. Okay, let's see what happens. Okay, Daniel, Daniel, um, did you know you've got a little speck? Just, just right there, yeah? That eye, no, uh, no, sorry, that eye. A bit to the left. But no, you, 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 you can't see it. Let me help you. I'll oh, come and just, just, just let me... <laughs> Success! We got it. Come on, let's thank Daniel for playing along and pray for his eye as well as I've gouged it out. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And whilst none of us, I'm looking around and I can't see you in Cambridge, but I imagine no one's walking around with a literal plank out their eye. What God is saying is actually when we are walking around, when we're making judgments, when we're scrolling down on social media and making those judges about the specs we see in others' eyes, we need to acknowledge we've all got things in our own eye. We've all got planks in our own eye. We all have specific things. Stop playing God acknowledges that just generally we're not perfect. Notice your plank says there are specific planks in your eye that you may not even be able to see, but God can see. So I wonder, what's your plank today? What's the thing in your eye that actually is something God would say? Let's just take a moment, look in the mirror, and let me help you take that out. Some of you might already know it. Some of you might be working on it already. I want to say, well done, keep going in that. If you don't, if you're here and like, actually, I, think I'm, I'm, I still think I'm pretty perfect, even after all you've said, then I've discovered a little Sherlock Holmes detective thing for you. That if you want to find out what your plank is, it's often related to the speck that you see in someone else's eye. It's often related to what you are seeing and what you are judging in someone else. So for me, I've come to notice that my plank at the moment is pride. You know, I've been, over the last couple of years, trying to make decisions around the environment and ethical decisions and buying better and shopping better and and doing better in that regard. And so when I see someone who isn't making those same decisions as me, it rises up in me. It's like, what are they doing? Actually, they should be. Do they not know? Have they not heard about all of these things that I know about and I've heard about and I've read about and I'm acting in my life? Well, no, they haven't. And they're on their own journey. So Chris, take this plank out of your own eye. You know, as we go through life, there will always be planks. There will always be things that rise up in our life. And thankfully, we have a God who is willing to show us and is willing to work with us on it. Because the only place for our planks is at the cross. You know, when he died on the cross and paid for our sins, he said, I forgive you and I want to keep working with you. And I want you to keep growing and I want you to keep developing and I want you to keep stepping into the lives of the women and men that I have called you to be. So maybe today he's saying, would you come and let me show you what your plank is? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 139. It says, search me, God. Maybe this is a prayer for us today. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, know me, test me, see me, and lead me. As we come to response in a few minutes' time today, but also as we go into the rest of our weeks and the rest of our lives, God is willing and able to bring these things up, to take them from you, and to free you from some of those things that have been in your life for far too long. So let's stop playing God. Let's notice our plank. And thirdly, let's practice mercy instead. Let's practice mercy instead. A few weeks ago, I played golf with a few buddies of mine. And uh, we did a Cambridgeshire versus Leicestershire com- uh, competition. Sorry, Cambridgeshire, we lost. But here's the Leicestershire team, gloating. Stop judging, Chris. Um, <laughs> they did well. I love these guys. And, um, you know, I've played golf twice in the last year. And I was very surprised to find that I hadn't got any better uh, over the last year, just playing twice. And this was a bit of a shock to me. <laughs> But it shouldn't really be, should it? Because if we don't practice, we're not going to get better. If I'm not going to have lessons, I'm not going to beat Josh Gardner at golf. If I don't get on the range, Leicestershire are going to continue to win this competition. You won't win it forever. We need to practice in order to get better. And I think that for many of us here, many of us tuning in, maybe all of us, we've subconsciously, unconsciously practiced being judgy. We've already laughed about it together, but the seriousness is this can rise up without us even noticing it day after day after day. And so actually what we need to do is we need to flip the script and we need to practice mercy instead. Going back to the words of James, he says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I love that. Judgment is seeing what's wrong in the other person and acting in accordance with that. Mercy is seeing the same things wrong, but choosing to act in love instead. Choosing to bless instead. Choosing to actually see through the eyes of Jesus into that person's life. Because, you know, this is so countercultural. In the world around us, we know it in our own lives. We see it in the news, social media. Something happens. How do you react? Judgment. How do we react? They shouldn't have done that. They're this. They're that. No, Jesus is calling us to a better way. And if we actually think back over the last few weeks, he keeps coming back to this same theme of living in love and living with mercy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, the first week we heard, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Coming into Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And now he comes and says, do not judge, have mercy instead. Why? Because we've all been shown mercy. We have all been shown the ultimate mercy that we do not deserve. So we cannot judge. We should not judge. And Jesus instead is calling us to be ministers of that mercy to others around us. To actually, rather than going out with these lenses that say, I'm going to pick out all those little bits that are wrong in you, it's actually instead, I'm going to show you and see you through the eyes of love. And there are several things that I do for this. There's maybe several things you do. I put out a little poll on social media and uh, got some wisdom back. So thank you so much, those of you who responded. What do you do when you start to feel a little bit judgy and want to be merciful instead. Do you want to know what the top answer coming back through or one of the top ones was? Pray. Pray. In that moment when you're like, oh, I've just had this thought. I've maybe seen something or they've said this or in a meeting or in a life group and some are, just stop and pray. Not necessarily out loud, but in your heart. Pray for yourself. Pray that you would remember these first two elements. Stop praying God. Notice your plank, but then pray for them as well. Pray, bless. I've started doing this. If I notice that I've made a judgment on someone, I just stop and I pray, God, would you draw close to this person? Would you bless them? If they're a Christian, if you don't know them, if they're a Christian, would you help them on their walk with you? And if not, would you show your mercy to them and come close to them? You might be the only person praying for them that day. 
Let's pray. Let's just snap out of it and pray. A second way people were saying is actually just, just for a moment, try and put yourself in their shoes. You know, sometimes it might happen in our families even or with close friends and they do something and it, and it grates on you and it winds you up and you feel the judgment coming on. But, but actually, if you stop and realize, you would go, oh, maybe they've, maybe they've, just, maybe they've had a bad day. Some of them you might know, actually, they're, they're in the process of grieving someone who's lost. Let's just show them a little bit of mercy. Let's show a little bit of kindness. Even if they've said something that's really hurtful, actually, in that moment, I'm going to offer mercy instead. Something else I've started doing on top of this as well is just trying to find something about that person that I really appreciate. When we make a snap decision based on how someone looks, actually, again, flip the script and find something about them that you really like. Even if it's a little like nice shoes, nice hair, or maybe it's the fact that they're different from you. And that is so, so beautiful. Practice mercy instead. And one of the ways in this passage Jesus says that we actually practice mercy is by sometimes speaking up when we need to. If we go back in here, he says, you hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's not that we're never to point out to our sisters and brothers our Speaking specifically into a church context, it's not that we're never to point out what's going on in their lives. It's actually that we need to get our hearts in the right place first. And I don't know about you, I find this really awkward. I find it really hard to lovingly challenge others around me, but, um, but it is really important. How many of you, if you have something in your teeth, would want me to tell you? Give me a wave. Yeah, you actually would, wouldn't you? Because you don't want the embarrassment of going, peas, why is it peas just sit at the front, this little green thing on your teeth? We want people to tell them. So I've started doing it with love. I've started, actually, if someone has something in their teeth, I've been like, hey, did you know? Just quietly one-on-one, you know you've got something in your teeth? Or, or if people's breath smells, this is really hard to do, but it's really important. <laughs> did you know? You might just want to get a mint. Or if their flies are down, always tell someone if their flies <laughs> are down. But in a more serious manner, again, how about if you see your friend or someone in your life group or someone close to you heading down a path that is leading them to a place that you can see by the Holy Spirit, by biblical wisdom, is actually taking them far away. How much more do we want to come and say, hey, you know what, I love you. And um, can I share something with you that I've noticed? Because I want to see you walk in the right way. It's hard, it's awkward, but actually in this passage, Jesus is saying, when you see that speck in the right way, in the right place, I'm not saying for all of you, go out into the atrium and out into your streets afterwards and start being like, hi, my name's Chris, nice to meet you. Uh, did you know you're proud? Um, that's, not gonna, that's not gonna make you any friends. And as Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. There's a time and a place with people who are close to you in a way that is appropriate to it. I heard someone say once, it, it depends what bridge do you have with the other person. Is it a light bridge? In which case, you can't drive very much across that bridge. In fact, you can't bring much challenge. But if it's a strong bridge, then you can drive a truck across there in love, and they will receive it with grace. You know, I'm so grateful that I have people in my life that I've built with over time, and they have the confidence and the permission to speak in and say, Chris, there's something you have not noticed and I'm going to love you and I'm going to lead you in a better way. And we need to be wise in this. We need to be discerning. At the end of this passage, Jesus comes out with this phrase. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample you under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You know, there is a right time and a place. There's a wrong time and a wrong place. And sometimes we just know this person's not ready to hear this, so don't do it. Don't share it. Choose the right time and place. Because our call, expressed again by Jesus, is to be merciful just as our Father is 
merciful. And I believe Jesus is calling us onwards into this. He's calling us individually, you right now, and he's calling us together into greater measures of mercy and love and kindness. There was a follow-on film from Bruce Almighty called Evan Almighty. It wasn't as good. Um, but there is a cracking phrase in it where God, again, Morgan Freeman, he carried on for a second one. Um, he comes to this woman, the wife of Evan, and he says these words, this phrase, which I absolutely love. He says, let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? I just think the answer is both. I think the answer is both. And I think for, for all of us today, those of us who are saying, I want to live more merciful, I want to live less judgy, I believe that God can come and fill us with his Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He can come and do that, and we're going to pray for that and ask that. But don't be surprised if, if you pray that prayer, he also puts people in your path who force you <laughs> to be merciful, who force you to love, who force you to bless. They might already, they might be sitting next to you. Um, do not be surprised, because he wants you to grow, and he wants you to flourish and thrive in this. And imagine what it would be like just as I invite the band to come back, imagine what it would be like if each of us, when those things rose up in our hearts and our lives, we actually snapped out of it. We stopped playing God. We acknowledged, you know what, God, I'm not perfect. You are. I'm going to trust. Imagine the freedom that would come. We say, I'm just not going to bother myself with that anymore. What would happen if we actually spent a little bit of time with God each morning going, God, what do you want to search me and know me, test me, lead me in your ways? as I go about this day? What would happen to our own freedom, our own peace, our own wholeness? And what would happen in our communities and our neighborhoods, workplaces, colleges, wherever it is, if we went out and instead of letting that judginess rise up, instead we went, I'm gonna offer mercy and I'm gonna offer blessing and I'm gonna offer kindness instead. You know, I think that that would make such a difference in people that we know. So wherever we are, we are gonna respond now together. And I want to encourage those of you in the room, would you like to stand also if you're joining at home? Just in this moment, you know, I've, I've shared enough, but God has something specific to share with you right now. You may have already, as you've gone through, God may have just been dropping things in your heart and saying, you know what, actually this, this thing right now, this thing is actually, let's, let's deal with this today, this Sunday. Let's sort some of this out. So we're just going to ask God to come. I want to invite you, if you're comfortable, just put a hand on your heart. You might want to close your eyes. Just This is a moment for you and God. And why don't you just ask him to come and search you and know you and show you what is it that you need to do as a response to this message? What is it that he's calling you to? We're just going to take 30 seconds. Just let God speak. For some of you, if you're like, oh, I don't know if God speaks. I don't know what about this prayer and everything that was mentioned earlier. Just, just ask him. Just say, God, come and speak to me. Show me. What freedom do you want to lead me in? What peace? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Some of you, God might just be bringing to mind specific people or people groups maybe and he's actually saying oh you need to repent <laughs> you need to ask for forgiveness for the way that you've been seeing him or her or them why don't you just you can just do that now in this moment you can repent
I think there's maybe also others of you that you know this. You, before you came in today, you were like, I already know I've got this problem. I make just snap decisions about anyone. I don't know how to get out of it. Just ask God for that self-control and that patience and that kindness to come. Some of you, I think there's long-standing things in your life, planks that you are aware of. Again, you don't know how to get out of them. This, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and the Spirit of the Lord is here today. And He can free you from that. So just ask Him to come. Ask for that freedom. Ask for that peace, that wisdom, that courage, that strength. Yeah, Father, we want to see more of you and your goodness. We want a fresh revelation of the grace that you have poured out to us. Just as the band starts singing this wonderful song, let's just keep responding to what he has. He's holy. He's the good God. He's the perfect God. And he's for you and he's with you now to bring about the change you want to see. Again, this is a significant moment. Show us, King Jesus, who you are. Fill us with your heart. Lead us in your love. Yeah, let's sing these words together. Holy, holy, holy.